Hey, my name is PJ Nolan. I'm the lead pastor of Collective Church. We are a community of real people in Saline County, Arkansas, seeking to know God and to make Him known. We hope as you visit our podcast that you will find the messages inspiring, practical, but most importantly, biblical. Um, I love how we, we're going to start the year off. You know, first week, PJ talked about the nature of the Bible and um, gave a really good context and perspective of the Bible. And the, uh, the cross-references, we saw that graph, it showed that there's over, over 60,000 cross-references in the Bible from, from Genesis to Revelation. And uh, the fact that it was authored by over 40 people across three continents, uh, there was a, a speaker, he was kind of going through that same graph. He said, you know, if one man did all of that, if just one person had written that, um, that the Bible and how it contained all these cross-references and all these things and how it just all flowed together. And he said, if one man did that, it would be a, an absolute masterpiece, a work of art, unlike anything we've ever seen. He said, but the fact that it was 40 authors across three continents just speaks to how amazing and how truly unique and powerful the word is. Um, so there's a great sermon next week. The last week we had Shane come and talk about communication of the Bible. And he, uh, he drew a picture, you know, that God's word illuminates our fleshly deception. It shows that incorporation of the Holy Spirit and how when we, we come to know Christ and we receive his Holy Spirit, he uses the word to illuminate in our lives the fleshly desires, the worldly desires, and then what is good, what is righteous, and um, what is filling our spirit. And so we got to see the comparison and contrast. He did a great job. The big key point there was the way that the Holy Spirit is integrated into our salvation and how it uses the Bible to fulfill its purpose. Um, and we're gonna kind of continue forth in that perspective of God moving in his Holy Spirit and through the word to speak to us um, because God speaks to us in a lot of different ways. And I love that Henry Blackaby uh, quote that PJ shared. It says that, that God speaks, he speaks by his Holy Spirit through the Bible. He speaks through prayer, circumstances, and the church to reveal himself, his purposes, and his ways. And I know that's true in my life. I'm sure it's true in yours that you can see in each one of those areas that God can use and move. And he can use really any circumstance and anything in our lives to speak um, if, he, if he desires. But one of the major and main ways that he communicates is through his word, through his Holy Spirit, to speak directly into our hearts. So if you guys know, when you, if you uh, watch a video on speaking or took a you know, class on, on public speaking or anything like that. Well, I think I had one in like junior high. One of the first things you do is like establish credibility so people know you know what you're talking about. Um, so I did this with first service, but this is kind of the opposite of that. Um, so I didn't, I didn't go to, some of you guys know my background to know uh, where I grew up and all those things. Some of you know me for a long time, but did not go to seminary, did not go to Bible college, um, didn't go to a private Christian school or anything like that. I did grow up in church, but hated Sunday school, hated all of that. And uh, if, if Sunday school, if you, it was something you actually graduated from, I would not have graduated from that. Um, if you went to Awanas, some of you may have went to Awanas when you were younger and you got those little jewels on your little badge or whatever on your vest. I didn't have very many of those jewels. I did not. I did anything and everything to keep from going to Awanas. I did go to the boxcar races. I don't remember if that was Awanas or not, but I did go to those. But 
I can tell you, um, man, God used his word to shape my life. He used his Holy Spirit. Um, there's no doubt about it. And he used my surrender to him to truly mold my life, to shape my life. Um, obviously, not, not a perfect life, but, but he did keep his promise in his word that he would use this to help guide me. And um, that has brought me through a lot in my own life. Um, so today we're going to kind of, this would part be a, a part, I guess it will be a two-part sermon. We're going to talk about the benefits of the Bible this will be part one. PJ will follow up with part two next week. But the two main focus points of this, um, this sermon is gonna be the Bible produces spiritual life and the Bible provides spiritual direction. Those are gonna be the two focus points of this message. And so we're gonna look at Isaiah 55 and verse 11. It says, so, so is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. So God sets forth the promise that he will bless his word and that this word was given to us so that he could fulfill his purpose and his desires through us here on earth. See, God didn't promise to bless you know, our education or our skills or our hobbies and interests and passions. He didn't just say, oh yeah, if you're passionate about it, I'll bless, bless it. He promises to bless his word. So if we align those things, if we align our life with his word, if we align our passions and our actions and our thoughts with what is in the word, if we use this as a guideline, he does promise to bless his word because it has a purpose. And that is what he sent us, his Holy Spirit and his word to do is to fulfill his purpose and to use us to bring glory to his name. So if we, if we wanna know what his purpose is, uh, we better be in his word. And it, he's telling us in that, that verse in Isaiah that his word was specifically designed to carry out his purpose and for him to give us his desires um, in achieving that purpose. Another verse that uh, speaks to this is um, Psalms 119 in verse 105. It says, the word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. And um, as you know, back in this time frame that this was written, they didn't have you know LED spotlights for lamps. They had probably just a small oil lamp um, that produced a small flame. And so if you compare that to the word, a lot of times God will use his word and his Holy Spirit to light just enough of our path so that we can take the next step and he doesn't illuminate a mile-long path ahead of us. A lot of times, he just wants us to have faith in him, and he'll show us just enough so that we can get through the day, through the next day, through the next season of our life, um, because he doesn't promise to provide us all of the answers. He, he promises that if we put our faith in him, that he will help guide and direct us so that he can fulfill his purpose. So one of the, uh, the cool things about the, the word and you can, and you can uh, compare it to that lamp is that it's uniquely designed to shine what is around you specifically for you. Um, and the word is very, uh, can be very unique to your life and speak directly, with, directly to your heart. If you've ever been in a group that you're studying you know, scriptures and you may have 10 people in a group all reading the same verses and then 
you start sharing and everybody's got something different that that verse spoke to them. And that speaks to how the Holy Spirit uses this word to speak into our lives uniquely to whatever situation we're in, whatever season we're in. And I love this Tony Evans quote. He says, the personal nature of spiritual guidance is another testimony to the fact that God wants to have a deeply personal and intimate relationship with you through his word. So this um, speaks to that relationship we have with Christ through his Holy Spirit. He wants it to be unique to us. You think of about relationships in your own life. You think of family and friends and those that are close to you. When you're sitting across the table and talking about some pretty um, deep topics, intimate topics that um, you have gotten comfortable talking to one another about because you're so close, you don't often just give them generic advice. You don't just say, you know, here, you got to do this and give that advice to everyone. You, you fine tune that advice to every person that you're close to, to the situation they're going through, through whatever circumstances are in their life, through their history, and you give them advice specifically for them. You don't just give a hundred people the same advice. And that's the same way that the word is used, how the Holy Spirit uses the word to speak specifically to what we're going through. Um, and I love an illustration. A guy says that it's a lot like reading lights on an airplane. You know, if you're in an airplane and you turn an overhead light on, it shines like right there on you so you can read, but you're not distracting everybody around you. So that was specifically designed for the person in each designated seat. And so if you want to see what you're doing, you have to use the light that is provided specifically for you. And that is in a lot of ways is just like the word. It can provide specific insight and guidance and speak to you directly um, if you have that close relationship with Christ and his Holy Spirit. And the other part that the Holy Spirit does is he uses, the, um, he uses his word to help renew our mind, to help um, with our, the way we think, the way we perceive things. Um, he uses his word to help shape those thoughts and help um, with that mind renewal. And we see that in Romans. A lot of you have read this verse in Romans in, uh, verse 12, or in chapter 12, verse two, it says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind that by testing, you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. So just like PJ, or just like Shane was speaking on, on how that the Holy Spirit uses the word to illuminate that in our lives. It uses the word to illuminate uh, what is good and holy and acceptable, but also lets you see the contrast to that on the other side of what is the opposite of those things. Because God realizes and God just, you know, he made us this way that our choices in life are, there is no choice that we make that doesn't have thought into it. Like you can't make a choice without thought. Now, some of us put little thought into our choices at times, um, but every decision in life is related to the way you think. And he didn't, uh, he didn't design, didn't write this word for us so that we would have a, you know, a lot of good quotes, some good scriptures that we could paint on our walls or on a picture or, or whatever. He, you know, he didn't want us to just read this book and see and be like, man, Jesus, that guy was a, he was a good guy. I wish I could be more like him. He wanted, his purpose for this book was to transform our lives, to renew our minds so that we could actually feel and, and obtain the desires of his heart because he knew that we were worldly, that we were full of sin and that if we 
followed that, it would constantly lead to destruction. So he wanted to use his word to plant that seed of, of love and that seed of, of his desires into our heart. And he wanted this word to completely transform our lives. He didn't want us to just have a, a few good quotes that we could share with people here and there. Um, and it reminds me that just thinking about being in the word, you may have heard there's a thing called the rule of 100. Um, it's pretty simple. There's studies been done on it. Basically, it says 100 hours a year. If you spend 100 hours a year, which is about 18 minutes a day, if you would do that, you will be better at that skill, whatever skill. You pick a discipline, a skill, whatever. If you do it 18 minutes a day, 100 hours a year, you will be better at that skill than 95% of the population. And some of you are thinking right now, what am I going to try to do 18 minutes a day and get better at? That doesn't sound like much, right? So let me give you this perspective. If 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 God does that, like if he says, all right, if you want to be a better carpenter, spend 18 minutes a year and you'll be better than 95% of the population. Imagine what he would do if we spent 18 minutes in this every day. Um, We think about these worldly skills, but imagine what he would do if we devoted that to him on on the spiritual matters and how much growth we could experience through that. But the thing is, you you can't just read it to check it off. I know we've all been there where we read through a scripture just to say, well, I got my 18 minutes in today. Or, you know, I read my scripture today for a small group, so we're good. You can't just read it and check it off. Um, His word has to dwell within us. And we have to, you know, meditate on this and let it marinate into our soul. And our footsteps, just like we were talking about that lamp that lights our path, our footsteps have to be established in his word. So we'll look at this, the verse, uh, Colossians 3.16 and it says, let the, word, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. So we see how he wants us to let it dwell within us, let it marinate in our soul, let it be in our hearts. And, um, you know, this is, so this Bible was given to me in 2005, and um, well, my youth pastor gave it to a group of people. I think we were on like a youth retreat, and he had ordered Bibles. He actually ordered the really small ones, but they somehow got the order mixed up, and we all got really nice big ones. But I had read this Bible through a lot of uh, tough times in my life, and it's been, uh, it's been used and abused in a good way uh, after having kids. It's got colorings and paper, you know, pages ripped out of it, and it's pretty worn out. And um, a few years ago, I was like, "Man, I need to get a, I need to get a new Bible. This one's got pages ripped out, scribbles on it, all kinds of stuff." I was like, "That's kind of a distracting." But that was, you know, it's kind of a bittersweet. It's like, "Man, this one I've had it forever," and um, I just kind of got it a little different perspective. Um, PJ gifted me this this Bible a couple years ago, which is nice, and I'm trying to keep take care of it and not let the kids <laughs> scribble on it. But I was reminded that, you know, there's nothing powerful about the leather that's holding this together or the type of paper that's used or the ink that's used or what the bookmark's made out of. There's no, In those materials, there's no power in those materials. The power is all in those words that are 
in between that leather. And I can stack Bibles floor to ceiling in my home. Like I can fill a home full of these books, right? But there's no power there. I would never experience the power of the Bible just by stacking these books all through my house. It's like I can fill up a kitchen full of these amazing cookbooks, but never deli- never experience a delicious home-cooked meal. Um, and just because you have a cookbook doesn't make you a good chef. So in the same sense, that's what this book is. It's a book, but the power in the words, and we have to open it to get the benefit of that. Um, there's an old a, a story these, uh, these old men shared to kind of remind me about the cookbook stuff, but there's these two old, two old men, they're sitting like in this swamp on a, like, it's got to be like a hundred-year-old dock. It's all wore out. You could tell these guys had a pretty rough life. They're sitting there with their hats on. They got like button-up flannel shirts, and they're talking back and forth. They've got to be in their late 70s, um, and they're just talking about how poor they grew up. And uh, it's pretty, pretty hilarious. It's sad at the same time, but pretty hilarious. One guy, he says, man, we was so poor. He said, um, a lot of times, mama, she wouldn't have nothing to cook, so she'd sit us all down at the table and just read the recipes to us. He said, we had a little brother. He was hard of hearing, and he nearly starved. Uh, he said, uh, he said we, we get in trouble going over to my aunt's house eating the fruit off the wallpaper. He said, daddy, he'd make us all run outside and bark at the car, and we couldn't afford a dog. But <laughs> we... Uh, yeah, we know, like, we know that reading a recipe is absolutely not going to do anything for our hunger. Uh, we're still going to be hungry after reading it, probably more hungry after reading a recipe. But in a spiritual sense, there is a book that can fill our hunger, that can fill us up. And um, man, the Word of God will absolutely satisfy your spiritual hunger. And our spirit is constantly yearning for that. And that's um, that's what it was designed for us. What God wrote this for was to fill us up. And uh, a lot of us, I know I haven't been at times, you may be or have been um, just spiritually malnourished, like just starving for truth. And I think we all at times are searching for truth. Um, but more often than not, we're distracted and we look at that, look for that in the wrong places. We look at the news, you know, we hear, listen to different podcasts and get on social media or whatever, and we're like searching for truth, no matter what it is. But we rarely open the book that has the truth, right? We rarely open the book that has the recipe that will satisfy your hunger for truth and that will satisfy your soul. Um, and like I said, I, you know, I didn't, none of us have, I didn't live a perfect life, but I know that when I am, when I was and when I am in his word, I have a lot more peace in my life. I have a lot more direction, just clear guidance. I have a lot more joy in my life, no matter what the season is. And I say joy, um, because I like to compare the, the two of joy and happiness. You know, there are times where I'm not happy, but I still have joy you know, there are seasons of life that I'm very sad, angry, grieving. You know, we all have those emotions, but we can gain eternal joy through God, through our relationship with Him and through His Holy Spirit and through His Word, um, because that type of joy reminds us who we are, that reminds us who we belong to, 
And it reminds us that life on earth is only a small glimpse of eternity. And we can, we can truly experience the life-giving properties of Christ and his Holy Spirit and his word that brings forth growth and life to our soul. Um, you see, Jesus gives life, his word gives life, and the two operate together. Um, you can't have necessarily one without the other. It's very difficult to understand Jesus without his word. And it's hard to understand his word without Jesus and his Holy Spirit. And we see that in 1 Corinthians in uh, chapter 2, verse 14, it says, the person without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God, but consider them foolishness and cannot understand them because they are discerned only through the Spirit. So a lot of times, you know, we have, you, you may have people that just don't understand it, and that's because they don't have the Holy Spirit. Um, there's a lot of great stories in the Bible, but there's a lot more than just the stories and without the Holy Spirit, it's, it's hard for you to understand what, we were, what we're even talking about today, about the life-giving properties and power of His Word and how it can speak directly and individually into each of our lives. But that is what the Word was designed for, but it starts with a surrender to God and the reception of His Holy Spirit. So I'm going to uh, kind of give you a, some perspective um, and tell a little story about a pastor and uh, these Chinese Christians. There's a, a pastor of a church in Hawaii, and he went on a a trip to a trip to China. There was 22 uh, Chinese Christian leaders that he was going to meet with while he was over there. And where they were meeting, it took a 13-hour train ride for those 22 Christians to come to that training, and it was held in a 700 square foot small hotel room. And out of the 22 Chinese Christians that attended, 18 of them had been in prison for their faith. So this pastor, he asked him, he's like, man, what happens? Like, what happens if we get caught? And one of the guys, he said, well, you'll be deported in 24 hours and we'll go to prison for three years. And uh, man, that's just humbling. As he started... Um, his teaching, he, fi- he was looking down and he realized he only had 15 Bibles. He didn't have enough for everyone. There was going to be six or seven that didn't, didn't have a Bible. So he passed all those out and uh, he said, all right, let's turn to Second Peter chapter one. We're going to read it. And he said, just then there's a lady on the front door. She handed her Bible off to the person next to her. And he, uh, he read, he was kind of thinking, he's like, man, that's interesting. And he quickly realized why she had handed that off. It's because she had memorized the whole book, the whole uh, whole book of, of Peter. And he said, when I was, when he was done, he looked over at her after at the break, and he's like, "You recited the whole chapter." And she said, "Yeah, in prison, you have a lot of time." And uh, he's like, "Well, don't they confiscate? Don't they confiscate the Bible there?" And she was like. Yeah, yeah, they do. They, they do. They try to, and it's like any Christian material, they confiscate by the guards. And he said, "But we have people that will smuggle in scriptures written on paper, and we'll hide it from the prison guards." And she said, "So we memorize it as fast as we can, because even though they can take the paper away, listen to this." She said, "Even though they can take the paper away, they can't take away what's hidden in your heart." 
And man, it's just humbling. And he, so he, he just does this training with these uh, Chinese Christians. And at the end of the training, one of the, one of the guy, one of the Christian leaders came up to him and he said, could you pray that one day we'll be just like you? And he looked at him, he said, I will not do that. He said, you guys rode a 13-hour train to get here. It's like, in my country, if you have to drive more than an hour, people won't come. So you sat on a wooden floor for three days. In my country, if you have to sit more than 40 minutes, they'll leave. So you sat, sat here not only three days on a hard wooden floor, he said, but in my country, if it's not padded pews and air conditioning, people won't come back. He said, in my country, we have an average of two Bibles per family, and we don't read any of them. He said, you hardly have any Bibles, and you memorize them from pieces of paper. He said, I won't pray that you'll become like us, but I'll pray that we become just like you. And um, in this article, I was reading this story. He said, China, the explosive growth there in over the past few decades now has China estimated to be... Um, the largest Christian population in the world by 2030, six years, they'll have more Christians than any other country. And I just can imagine, I mean, what would a, you have prisoners smuggling in scriptures. And that is just a picture of people that are hungry for the word. As Marianne comes up, I'm gonna lead us into a time of invitation the truth is, you know, we've kind of alluded to this in this message, but the truth is without, the sal- without salvation, right, the, the Bible is just another book. And we don't get to experience that power. But when you connect with the one who is in this book, and who this book is about, who truly wrote this book, and experience the power of the gospel, and you begin to fall in love with the Savior of the world, and that void in your life, man, he feels it. And you start to feel that love of Jesus. And you get to that point, you say, I'm done trying to figure this all out. I'm done trying to make this all make sense. I'm done trying to fix everything in my life. I'm done living a lie. I'm tired of being somebody that I'm not. When you get tired of living in sin, chasing empty dreams, and as one of my football coaches would say, he would say, I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired. If you get to that point and you say, you say, Jesus, you can have it. And maybe it's out of des- desperation, maybe it's not, but if you can say, God, it's yours. And tell him, look, I surrender it all to you. I know it's a mess. I know it's not pretty, but isn't that awesome that he doesn't care? And he can take broken things and make them new. And you tell him that, like, here's all I have. And I know it's better in your hands than it is in mine. When we fully surrender our life to God, to Christ, that's when this book comes to life. And these birds will begin to live in your heart and they can speak directly to your soul. But it all starts with that complete surrender to Jesus and a relationship with him receiving of his Holy Spirit.
Thanks again for visiting the Collective Church Podcast. We hope you found the message to be practical, inspiring, and biblical. And by the way, if you're interested in learning more about Collective Church, you can follow us on Facebook or Instagram. And if you enjoyed the message, hit the subscribe button. And if you'd be willing to, hit share and help us spread the word about Collective Church.